Hey everybody and welcome to the 6th episode of DCI. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, I sat down and talked with Cliff Harris of Positech Games. He's the sole designer of a number of games, uh, but soon to come out is Democracy 3, which is a game that tasks you with being the prime minister or president of whatever country you choose, and then figuring out how you're going to run that country. Uh, so we had a great time talking about that game, as well as talking about other games that he's worked on, like Gratuitous Tank Battles and Gratuitous Space Battles. We also talked about his time at Lionhead Studios, and kind of discussed what happened with the movies, if you remember that game. Now, Skype being Skype, we did have a couple of issues with this call, uh, them being that our call was dropped a couple of times, uh, but thankfully it didn't really cause too much of a, a ruckus with the interview, but uh, please note that you will hear some interim music a couple of times. If you want to find out more about Dark Station, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to us, you can do that on iTunes. We are the Darkcast. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. And as always, if you want to find out more about the games that we talk about in these interviews, you can check out the show notes for this episode. Again, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. Thank you for being on the Darkcast, Cliff. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, actually. Yeah, I'm getting lots of stuff done, and that always means it's a good day. <laughs> I've had the opposite experience, uh, so far <laughs> I've done nothing today. Um. <laughs> yeah, but I do have eight hours ahead of you, so whatever it is. True, so, you know. true. Yeah, I, I, it is noon um, as I'm recording this, so oh, okay. I, I'm currently on my third cup of coffee. Uh, I've played an adventure game and beaten it for review. Now I have to write that, um, and that—that's it. That's all I've done today. Uh, so I've been uh, doing proper work. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you could start off by just telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do at Positech. That's the company you're at, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I basically am Positech. Okay. Um, there's. Uh, a few other people that kind of like do um, artwork and stuff like that. I have a lot of contractors that do uh, music for the games that I work on and that do all the art. I, I don't do much art now, thankfully. <laughs> um, but I do, I do all of the programming. I do uh, all of the game design and all of the, the business side of things. And I kind of do strategy games of a, of a certain sort. I do I do games for people that quite like tinkering with stuff mm-hmm. um the sort of like games that when they're criticized has been like sort of spreadsheety games okay um you know that, that that sort of thing um and uh, yeah i've been doing it for yeah, hundreds of years now <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems but not that long actually i think um the first game i started was i think 1997 okay uh, but I've worked in the mainstream industry since then, so I've, I've sort of come and gone between being indie and, and mainstream. 
Okay, gotcha. Um, so, uh, Positech, uh, first question I got to ask is, where, where did that name come from? How did you come up with Positech? <laughs> no, don't ask. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? Everyone has really cool names for their, for their companies, and I, I have the worst name ever. Um, it sounds like it makes screwdrivers or something. And in fact, if you get... If if you go to positech.com, that's not me. That's a company that makes like industrial pile driving equipment or something. Well, I, I um, did go to democracy3.com, and that is not your website either. That's some just random one of the websites that has stuff on it, but it hasn't been bought by anybody. It just has this horrible yeah. like word art logo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I used to care. I used to sort of think, oh, you know, you've got to get whatever.com. Sure. Um, and I have a few. I've got gratuitouspacebattles.com, gratuitoustankbattles.com. Um, you know, I've got a few. But to be honest, it, re it really doesn't doesn't matter. And, and practically every domain name in the universe is taken. Sure. So you, you, you're kind of stuck with that. But Positech, it, it's such a bad name. But it's too late to change it. I can't change <laughs> it now because I've shipped, you know, like dozens of games with it. But uh, I used to I used to work on the um, the sort of UK stock market as an IT contractor. Okay. Um, and so when I started doing that, you have to have a company, and it was bought off the shelf as like a company, a pre-existing company, for like IT people. So that was the least awful sounding company name that there was. All the rest were, you know, like sort of penetrode industries and stuff like that <laughs> they were just really bad so that was the best of the bunch and then when i started doing games you know i never realized it would turn into like a proper career and everything so i just mm -hmm. used the same company okay and, and there gets a point where you can't change it i couldn't there'd be no point in me changing it now sure sure um yeah but i do hate it with a <laughs> <laughs> well that, i think that's the first time i've heard that uh and everybody I never had anybody hate their um company name with a vengeance that's pretty I mean, funny to, to be honest most uh, most indie developers are known by like the personality of, of like the developer sure um you know so i, I suppose introversion aren't but you know everyone knows notch mm -hmm. but but the percentage of people that know it, it's mojang is is much smaller it doesn't really matter right you know, what, what matters is minecraft maybe notch nobody really cares what the company is called mm -hmm. uh, i don't think anyway sure I would agree with that uh, for the most part. Um, so you said that you've been around since uh, 1997, and we are going to get to, to Democracy 3, but I generally like to get some backstory yeah. uh, before we get into the game. Uh, so uh, you said you've been around since uh, 97 or so, or <clears throat> so you said that you've gone back and forth between mainstream and indie. Can you kind of give us some of that? Story? Yeah, well, I mean, I did, the first time I tried to write a game um, was when I was 11, um, so it goes back further. It goes back to sort of 1981. Okay. Um, so that's that's a long, you know, that's long short of it. But the first time I actually made a game that sold um, was in 1997. Okay. And that was like a hobby thing. Uh, and th that was like an arcade uh, game called uh, Asteroid Miner. And, and that did okay. And then I did uh, another game. Um, which was called Starlines Inc., but it got, I renamed it to Starship Tycoon. And I did a few other uh, sort of arcadey, spacey games around then. Mm -hmm. um, and I got quite excited about thinking, yeah, I can do this for a living. So I quit my job to do it for a living and go indie. Um, before that was a thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
you know now it's it's popular but there was no yeah there was no steam there was um right very few people would buy a game online because they thought it sounded dodgy thing to do <laughs> yeah actually i honestly uh just to go on a side tangent here real quick um the other day i was looking at getting a a new game for pc uh and i saw that it was on amazon so i was like oh, i'll buy that and then i realized i had to have it shipped to me and i'm like wait what <laughs> And I realized that I've just gone completely to the other side because I used to yeah. be one of those guys that, you know, has got to have the disc or nothing else. You know, downloads are crazy. But I'm like, wait, I don't want to buy the – what if I lose the disc? What if I lose the yeah. product key? No, I want to download it. Yeah, I, 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 it is crazy how it, it sort of flipped at some point to yeah. being – you know, that, that was the done thing. I, I kind of knew it would do that. I was quite lucky to, to like, start selling games online a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um because I, you know, I worked in IT and, and sort of uh, networking and online stuff anyway, so I could see that it was inevitable. You know, the, the idea of having to like walk to your bank to find out what your bank balance was. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was no, you know, it was all going to die out, and people were going to buy stuff online. It was yeah. fairly obvious. But back then, it was it was uh, it was very hard to do. So basically, I ran out. I ran out of money. You know, I, I blew through my savings and sort of I wasn't selling enough games. And, but I, I, I had, I had shipped games, you know, mm-hmm. so I then thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll try and get a job in the games industry, which I'd sort of tried before and got nowhere because I had no qualifications in computing whatsoever. I was completely self-taught and it was impossible, impossible to get a job without a, d- a degree in computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was my second attempt thinking, oh, well, I'll try and get a job in the mainstream industry. And I got loads of offers because uh, in the interim, I'd actually made games and finished games and shipped them so right. everyone was you right know, so that you, was you gotta have the degree or you gotta have the, the shipped games <laughs> yeah yeah basically um and it was funny because the, the first uh the first job i got it was actually my, my dream company i wanted to work for yeah quite quite that was elixir um who they're probably best known for um evil genius okay but but before that they did um this this game that was very like me it was a politics game actually um called republic the revolution okay and they were sort of making a bit of a name for themselves because they had what they claimed to be an infinite polygon engine and everyone was wow very (laughs) it was amazing actually it was an amazing bit of tech um it wasn't infinite obviously but there were a lot of there were a lot of polys put it that way um, it was quite amazing to sort of, you know, get that. So I worked there, and then I worked at Lionhead, which was one of the other companies I really wanted to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was at Lionhead for about three years, and I, I just got completely fed up with working for other people on other people's game designs and stuff. Sure. Um, and during that, like at the weekends, which sounds ridiculous to anyone that's in the mainstream industry, but evenings and weekends, I, I wrote several games um, for my own amusement that I also put on sale, and uh, they they sold really well. Mm-hmm. So I, I I could do the easy thing then, which is to like quit my job in the mainstream industry, um, and still have a decent income. Mm-hmm. So there, I was a real wimp. There was no risk. You know, it was like, hey, well, I make more money from my hobby than you're paying me anyway. So, so sod it. You know, I'll just, I'll just quit. Nice. Uh, and ever since then, you know, it's it's done better and better and better. And I'm, um, you know, I, I've been proper indie ever since. 
Okay. Um, now, I, I'm a big fan of Lionhead, so uh, what, what games did you work on while you were there? I only worked on one at Lionhead, which was the movies. Okay. Um, and that's one of... one of the few that I've never played. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody played it. Um, no, it did okay, I think. Um, I don't think it did fantastically. Um, it was pretty. It was it was pretty good actually. It was pretty good fun. Um, I was one of the the first people to work. To, to be, I think there was like about six people working on it when I started. Okay. Um, and it grew to some huge thing with like 150 people or whatever working on oh, wow. it. Wow. Um, and um, I I I left in a bit of a, a strop mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just before it shipped. Um, so I had all the hassle and none of the like enjoying the oh we've shipped a game sure which uh which was a bit a bit silly i guess i should have left earlier i was fed up with it earlier but mm-hmm. I, I kind of stuck it out for some reason okay uh now um i remember that game having a lot of or seeming to remember that game having a lot of setbacks and stuff like that what was it i mean <laughs> yeah. that's a that's i mean it's kind of a, a weird game to to try to make what was it what was it like trying to make that with the environments around, not necessarily you know the environment at, at Lionhead, um, but the environment outside of Lionhead, kind of almost disapproving of the game. I just remember previews of it that you know I would read. People just weren't sure what it was. The I don't know. Yeah, it seemed kind of pro- awkward. Yeah, well, it was because the, the the problem is the original idea for the game, mm-hmm. which I think was better actually personally. But you know, what do I know? Um, was it was more like a tycoon game, you know? It okay. was like movie studio tycoon, gotcha. effectively, um, but in three D. Um, and I remember Peter saying to me that you know it, it was like the the graphics guy had, had persuaded him you should do it in three D. It's easier. But he was quite happy because you know back then you could have done an isometric game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was going to be quite a typical classic kind of you know business simulation game. Okay. Um, but the one of the the cool features was that um, you could actually see your movie, your little clip of like actors jumping about and everything that um, that your studio was making. Mm-hmm. And then I think Peter got a little bit excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> he seems we to do like... that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, you do. Um, Everyone knows how this story ends, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he says to journalists, yeah, you could make a complete 90-minute your version of Star Wars in the game, obviously, uh, which you couldn't. Um, so the, the problem was... Uh, like, I'm, I'm you know, sure you would, you would watch that 90-minute version of Star Wars underneath the tree that you planted <laughs> in Fable. Um. <laughs> well, you know, the, this was the problem. The problem was that that was actually quite a cool idea for a game. Sure. That you make a kind of like movie studio with game characters like um ah oh, there's a name for this isn't there Makinima um, or Makinima or whatever they call it Machinima I think I don't know I think that's yeah. how it's pronounced I have no idea I have no idea um but you know that's pretty popular and it, mm-hmm. it was quite cool and it was also a bit slapstick and quite funny mm-hmm. so the thing is if you sat down and think thought I'm gonna make Star Wars it was just really funny to try and do it because um everything would would kind of like not really like it would look like a really low budget star wars right which was kind of funny and i thought it was it was quite good but the trouble is um there's been all this effort to kind of like make a a business sim game Mm -hmm. and then there's this we can make a tool to make movies and they were both squashed together and, and made into a sort of 
thing didn't please either side of it really gotcha it, it, it was a, it was a, a compromise they should have either said yeah that's a cool idea let's not not do it let's do it another time <laughs> or they should have said that's a brilliant idea scrap all of the like running a studio nonsense let's just make this as a tool mm-hmm. um, so I just sat in the middle and then, you, you know i've learned over the years that that you have to decide what your game's about mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you can't kind of say oh it's about everything because uh, that means it's about nothing um but there was some cool stuff in there, you know. It was, uh, yeah. I'm glad I worked on it. Um, but it did suffer a bit because they were making a lot, of, a lot of other games at the time. They were making Fable. Mm-hmm. They were making uh, Black and White too, and so it was all a bit stretched and a bit all, all over the place. Sure. Uh, but I learned a lot working on it, and it was, um, you know, it, it is worth working at a big studio to learn, even if you just learn not what not to do. <laughs> uh, which which I did in some cases, but it is it, I don't regret working on it at all. Okay. Um, well, now on to uh, Positech. You said you know you're obviously a you're a one man studio, but you're not a one man studio because you you don't do mm. art or music things like that. What is it like working with uh, contractors as opposed to like when you're at Lionhead? Um, you know, having those people inside the studio. Well, I think it's much better. Um, for, for several reasons. I mean, if you're running a proper studio, well, proper, I mean, <laughs> you know, well, that, that's awful, isn't it? If you're running like a conventional studio mm-hmm. and, you know, there's so many things you have to compromise on because you actually employ people. So firstly, you've got to think, who's the artist I want to employ for the next, like, however many years, mm-hmm. in, especially in the UK, because it's quite hard to fire people in the UK. Um, okay, so wait, if- hold, what, why is that? being an american i have no idea um just legally you can't just say to someone you know we're making a different sort of game now and we don't need you goodbye huh. you can't do that you can't that. buy it. no you have to go through all of this kind of um you have to like completely abolish their job and not replace it with a different job or you have to show that they're not um working hard or whatever you can't say you don't fit the project uh, that that can't that's um, that's unfair dismissal and all kinds of nonsense like that. I which is learn something ridiculous. new every day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is kind of it, it, it's kind of ridiculous because you know, to me, games are a lot like movies in that you know this particular game requires a certain kind of musician, a certain sort of artist, a certain whatever. Sure. And you should get the best people together to make that, mm-hmm. and then at the end, all go your separate ways. I think that's. You know that that's the sensible system, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you you know if you're running a, a studio, definitely here, then you tend to employ people, and then you come up with a game idea, and whoever's working there, they're going to be the people that will work on it. Okay. Um, but the other thing that I think is, is is a bit of a pain is it means that people have to live near you. <laughs> you mm. know. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I did uh, well with Democracy Three, um, the musician, I don't even know what country he's in i think it's the states i really have no idea um one of the artists is in the uk another is in some scandinavian country again i don't even know um we've got some other artists from the uk but Mm -hmm. i've never met any of these people um you know they all work from home Mm -hmm. so uh, to me that's perfect because you know for example when i wanted an artist to do spaceships for gratuitous space battles i i spent ages searching across the internet to find the best possible contract artist to do that Mm -hmm. um and when i found him i hired him and it wasn't a case of oh can you relocate to the 
southwest of Britain, you right. know, because that's you know that's not going to happen. Um, so I think you have mass you have masses of freedom if you do the contracting thing, where where you really can get the best people, um, because you know you're letting them work from home and mm-hmm. on their own terms, and they can live anywhere in the world. And I think that's much better. I know it is a pain that you can't just sort of walk over to their desk and say, no, that looks that looks rubbish. But I, I think that's that is outweighed by the freedom to get the, the best people and also to get rid of people who aren't very good. Because <laughs> uh, I have done that. I, I, I Maybe half a dozen times I've emailed people and just said, I don't think it's good enough. So we need to stop now. Okay. <laughs> Which is quite hard to do, but I, it's easier to imagine. do by email. It's yes. much easier by email. You know, that's the, that's uh, you know, um, especially being British, we don't like confrontation. You know. I yeah, I I'm a, a showroom manager at a um, uh, IT Apple store place, um, right. and like I, I have a hard time just going and, and reprimanding somebody, not let alone you know firing them or something like that i just yeah. telling them that they need to improve themselves i'm just like i i don't want to <laughs> yeah uh, it's it, it, i imagine it is, email would be a lot easier <laughs> yeah but then of course like when you're when it's your studio you know if it's my money if uh if i get a quote for some art and it's however many thousand dollars and i get the art and i think that's not really what i want then yeah, I, there's a very English thing about kind of like, oh, I don't want to complain. I don't want to make a fuss. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you think that's my money. Yeah. And um, it's and the game has to be good. So you have to tell them. You have to sort of say, you know, it doesn't work out. It's not the right style. You know, no offense. Here's what I owe you. And um, I'll pick someone else. Um, it, and that is, it is quite tough to do, but you have to do it because otherwise you'll end up with a game you're not happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how do you actually go about finding these contractors? I mean, is there an internet video game contractor database or, or something like that? Uh, well, there, there is, yeah. There, um, well, there's a few places like that. Um, there's one on Gama Sutra, which is for like the big like subcontracting studios in like China and mm-hmm. places like that, um, who aren't actually as cheap as you think they would be, They're not at all. Um, it is there is a lot of kind of who you know um and generally anyone who's actually looking for work in the industry has a decent website with a decent portfolio of stuff but ultimately it does just come down to you know google image search and a lot of searching and going through a huge amount of websites and then emailing people saying are you available and Mm -hmm. and it's in some cases it's people that that aren't. I mean, a lot of the the nebula backdrops that I got for um, gratuitous space battles. I, I was looking on some art website. I can't remember what it was called. And uh, there was some woman in America that played around with like uh, fractal rendering software mm-hmm. and did and did nebulas. Um, but she didn't. She, she didn't want any money. She was. She, she was like, I really don't want any money for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was like, well, this, this is a proper business thing. You know, I need a contract where it says that I can use them. And like, you know, I think I think I did pay um, some money. So it was all sort of like legal. But th- it does take a lot of time if you know what you want. Um, you know, if you want a very specific thing, sometimes you track someone down and they're working in another studio or they're working for someone else. And you have to kind of, um, you know, talk them into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it does take a, a a lot of time to find the right people. 
Very cool. Um, now let's talk about some of your previous games um, that you know have already been out. You mentioned the uh, gratuitous space battles. You've also got uh, gratuitous tank battles. The previous democracies. Uh, if you mm. could just let us know a little bit about those. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, where to start? Um, uh, I guess the the gratuitous series. The, let's, let's start the there. Gratuitous games. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, gratuitous space battles is a kind of uh, funny game. It, it's inspired by so many things. Um, partly by a book about D-Day. Uh, partly about playing the the Total War games, mm-hmm. um, which I really I really like the idea of the Total War games. I got. A, a, you know, I bought loads of them, but I don't actually enjoy them <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I like, you know, I've got my big impressive army and a massive 3D battlefield and everything looks really cool. And I'm going to send these guys into battle and it's all going to look like some wonderful Napoleonic movie. Mm-hmm. And it does. It just descends into a big like barroom brawl of everyone <laughs> squashed in attacking everyone. But I've got no say over anything because, you know, people are always running away or whatever. And I just feel in the middle of battle that I've got no control over what on earth my army is doing. And I find that very annoying. Sure. So, so uh, the gratuitous space battles stuff was um, thinking, if you accept that that's going to happen, and obviously, you know, generals in battles would have to accept that. Um mm-hmm especially like you know going back a while um you know can you make a game that uh, that like embraces it and kind of has that as part of the gameplay so and also i love star wars star trek and and i love space battles you know mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't and um so the idea came up that that if you could make a game that was more about um designing the spaceships designing the space fleet and having your plan and then looking at your amazing great big space fleet and going, yeah, this is going to win. And then accepting the fact that in the, in the battle you had no direct control. Um, could I make a game that worked like that? And that is basically what it is. It, it's, a, it's a real-time strategy game where you have no control of the units once the battle starts, which is okay. a bit of an unusual idea. Yeah. Um, and I thought everybody would hate the idea and say, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> But uh, it turned out that actually people people loved it. Um, it's my most successful game so far uh, by by quite a big margin, um, and people really got into it. And they really got into the uh, one of the those kind of uh, things that came out of that game design mm-hmm. is because you design your ships and you design your fleet and you put them together and say here are your orders for the battle. Um, because there's no um, actual interaction during the battle, you can wrap that up as a file and, and send that out to the world, and other people can download it and play against it. Oh. So that's why it works really well, because it's kind of almost like a play-by-email game against everybody. And one of the beauties of it is, when you buy the game, there's like you know these 10 missions or whatever, and each one's got three different enemy fleets to fight against. So... Mm-hmm. There's 30 enemy fleets that I have designed as the game designer. Um, but the, I think there's 500,000 challenges that have been uploaded by other people. It's a ridiculous wow. number. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's over 500,000. I think I'd, every now and then I, I, um, I go through and purge ones that nobody's played. Um, but there's a crazy number. And um, now, therefore, is, it's, it's an endless game, you know. Yeah. There's, is is all that accessible through the game or do you actually have to, to email 
the no, files. it's all through it's all through the game. Okay. So you you know you, you just go to like Challenge Browser, and okay. uh, there's thousands and thousands of, of fleets, and, and you can upload one and say anyone want to try and beat my space fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cool thing is you can have friends in the game and, and there's like the user accounts and everything. So you can send it to a friend of yours and say, beat this. Um, they can then send back their fleet that beat it. And, you, and they can say, well, yeah, you beat that. And it can like ping pong back and forth. Sure. And loads of people um, do that. And obviously because it's the internet, some people get incredibly obsessed and they know the game much better than me. <laughs> uh, far, far better. And they design incredible fleets that are... That when I see them, I think, "How have you done this?" It's it's amazing that I I have no idea how to beat. Um, and there's also a big mod scene for it. It's very easy to mod, so uh, people have designed their own sort of ship hulls and their own ship modules, and it's just grown into this kind of huge sprawling game. Um, so, and it, it, what's funny is, like, originally I thought nobody's going to buy this. <laughs> you know, nobody will be interested in a game um, where you don't, ha- where there's a space battle, but you don't control it. But it turns out that that enables a lot of gameplay that people really do like. Very cool. Uh, I imagine gratuitous tank battles is very similar, just with tanks instead of space. You- You'd think that, but no. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, originally, I, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do that because I'm a bit obsessed with tanks. Um, but no, it's actually a tower defense game. But okay. it's, it is, but it isn't. It's a tower defense game where I've just changed everything about tower defense games. So you can play a tower defense game with it um, with tanks and also mechs and infantry and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, or you can play as the attack as the attacker, so the AI then defends, and you place down units to go down those paths and attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also customize all your units, and there's a level editor and everything like that that you don't normally get in a tower defense. But again, what's kind of cool is it has this thing of like sharing stuff. So um, not only can you sort of design um, maps and upload them and all that kind of stuff like you can with GSB. But also you can effectively play against yourself. So you play as the defender against the AI. And then that's, uh, well, what you'd probably do is the other way around. You'd play as the attacker, placing down all these units to attack and, and to sort of win the battle. Mm-hmm. And then and it, that's all saved out. And then you can flip around and play tower defense against your own decisions as an attacker. Oh. Um, there's loads of crazy stuff that it does. It also has like an adaptive AI system where when you play as defense, the, the attackers aren't necessarily scripted. Mm-hmm. So it will actually adapt to whatever you put down. So if you put down loads of like laser turrets, um, the AI will send in loads of uh, tanks with like laser shielding. So okay. you always have to kind of like um, be sort of second guessing the AI. And mm-hmm. if you design custom units for that game, you can let the AI use them. So you can actually play against tanks that you that you designed in, you know, six months ago that will wow. like, come out and attack you. Um, so that's all pretty unusual and pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I think people assume it is gratuitous space battles with tanks. And, um, yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously, you've been making the uh, the Democracy series for a while. Uh, it's been a while, mm-hmm. though, since uh, Democracy 2. That came out in 2007, I believe, right? Uh, something like that, yeah. It's a very very long time so what what made now the right time to bring back democracy 
Well, it's an incredibly difficult game to make. Okay. Um, Democracy 1 was very hard to make. Um, Democracy 2, I, I made it a lot more complicated and accurate. But it's um, the code for it is basically a neural network, um, but not an off-the-shelf neural network. It's just one I coded from scratch, which is very hard to do, but it is very hard to debug and very hard to um, control and predict. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a chaos theory as a game. <laughs> um, so debugging it, and it's also bits of it are multi-threaded. So debugging it is just awful. Um, and Democracy 2 really stressed me when I was working on it. I, uh, it's like a, almost like a nervous breakdown thing. So um, I was wary of sort of going back and working on it again. Sure. Um, but I had loads more ideas. I had loads more experience. Um, the old game runs at a fixed resolution of 1024 by 768 mm-hmm. which is appalling these days <laughs> um, so and and it used yeah, a lot of code i, I, I think up. my phone has a better resolution than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah well these days phones have amazing resolution you know? um so yeah there was loads of stuff that i thought you know if i did that game again now it would be so much better mm-hmm. uh, and I, I just put democracy 2 on steam um about a year ago maybe less than a year okay uh, and it got this whole new audience on steam that had never played it originally mm-hmm. um and so i thought i could face doing it again either there was lots that i could improve about it about mm-hmm. it that i wanted to fix and um and it was obviously still popular um because it had been the old one had been released on steam so i thought you know the time was right to do it but that's it i'm not gonna do democracy four because <laughs> this, this has been very hard um again and I, I i need to not work on your networks for a good few years again i think all right um so what what is a, a neural network uh, well it's it's a layout of code that basically um mirrors the way your brain works so um actually in in code Loads of things that you that you see in the game. If, if you've never seen Democracy One or Two, um, it's basically a, a huge mesh of kind of icons that represent different things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so one would represent a particular voter or or a group of voters, or for example, the the level of healthcare in the country, or your policy on income tax, mm-hmm. uh, or or a situation that's going on, like a like a you know um, a teacher strike or whatever. But all of these things, although they're different conceptually, um, they all affect one another. They all have links to one another. Mm-hmm. So if you put the tax rate up, that's going to upset certain voters and it's going to affect the economy in certain ways and it might affect immigration and immigration might affect crime and crime might affect all kinds of other stuff, tourism and whatever. So everything is connected to kind of everything else. Mm-hmm. And um, in code, the way it's represented is that all these various different things that seem very different to the player, they're all represented in the same way in code, which is they're represented as a neuron, which is effectively a tiny little processing unit within the game, which has all these inputs and equations that control how it actually processes, Mm -hmm. and then all these outputs. So there's like thousands of effectively little CPUs within the game that are all connected to each other and all influencing each other. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how neurons in your brain work. I mean, basically, you know, you have a neuron and you have um, all these connections, which are, you know, dendrites and whatever, and they send electrical pulses at different 
um, sort of you know rates and intensities based upon the way way the network is actually connected, and that's the way the code is connected in in the game. You don't need to know this to play it, <laughs> thankfully, um, but it, it makes it possible to make a, an incredibly complicated simulation and, and game. Um, I, I can I can attest to that complication. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's incredibly involved, and a lot of the complexity is hidden from the player as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it allows you to do this thing where it is very easy to mod it, and it is very easy to represent and see how all of these interconnections work. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that um, if you have a bug or a weird thing, tracing back how that happened within the code is incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to work on, but hopefully quite easy to play. <laughs> Uh, now, I guess we should have started talking about democracy by me asking you, um, you know, what the game is and to describe it to our <laughs> listeners. Uh, too late to do that, but if you could go ahead and tell us. Yeah, okay, well, it's a game about <laughs> politics. Um, yeah, it's a game that makes you president or, or, you know, prime minister, depending, you know, what the, what the country is. So basically, uh, you know, you're, you've been elected and you are in charge of the country mm -hmm. and you cannot win which is uh, a very British approach to games. Um, <laughs> you cannot win the game um, by any conventional standard. You can, you can keep getting re-elected and you can set um, like a term limit, like in the US, you know, you've only got like, like two terms, but, um, but you can edit that and be whatever, It'll stay mm -hmm. as long as you like. So you're kind of setting your own goal for the game and you lose if you get kicked out by the voters at the election mm -hmm. um the other way to lose is to be assassinated uh, <laughs> which is more common than you think <laughs> in this game um because if you're up to any group of voters enough that you know they will resentment will build up and eventually you know some guy with a sniper rifle or whatever will, will come and get you um but there isn't a kind of like a set goal. So you're depending on your politics and how you want to play the game and, and um, what's important to you. you. You might play the game thinking, I, you know, I want to improve the environment in my country or you might want to improve equality. You might want to build up the country as like a, a socialist utopia or a capitalist utopia or mm -hmm. stamp out religion or turn the whole country religious. And you can do all of these things. And the trick to them is to be able to do it without causing absolute mayhem and chaos and being assassinated or kicked out. So it's basically a game um, about balancing priorities and about um, keeping a lot of people happy at the same time, which is, which is obviously very difficult. But it is a purely kind of iconic game. It's, um, it, it's not visually... I mean, the, the new version looks much better than the old ones did, but it's, it, it's a game based on kind of like, you know, looking at, at charts and numbers and reading text mm -hmm. and looking at sort of like, like iconic representations of, of your country. You know, you don't get to walk around your country in 3D and and stuff like that there, there's no 3d engine or, or map of your country it is purely a sort of representative kind of game mm -hmm. uh, kind of like for people who like the the kind of uh sports management kind of games it, it's you know it, it's that sort of a thing mm -hmm. um it, it's very hard to describe but when you see someone play on, on a sort of let's play video or something like that then it, it clicks and everyone immediately gets it 
Um, but it is very hard to describe in an abstract sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, now, yeah, I, I actually got a, a preview build of it uh, the other day and was able to uh, play it some last night and this morning. And so I, I went into the game thinking it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously people that run countries don't know what they're doing. I can do this. <laughs> I got this. Um, you know, I've, I've got these ideas about how I would run the country, so I'm going to do that. And, um, yeah, I've, I've gone through four turns now, not terms, but turns, because, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, in some ways it's got some normal, um, strategy, uh, elements where, you know, you have sort of like resources, which are kind of the, uh, Mm. support that you have from the voters and you have those to spend during a turn, uh, then go to the next turn and you get more resources you spend those making decisions and then go to the next turn uh, is that a yeah yeah fairly well, accurate it is, that's kind of like the least of your problems really sure 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 <laughs> um, um, yeah there, there is i mean it, i should say you know it's it's a turn-based game where you, you have so many points to spend each turn mm-hmm. um but the difficult thing is is, is is you know what you do with those points because as I'm sure you found out, you know, I, I like, pissed everyone off. Is what I <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do that. Um, the, the thing that a lot of people don't don't get immediately is that they're, they're quite used to immediate feedback in games. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that I'm quite sort of proud of in the game, because every decision you make has a different level of kind of inertia and delay. So, you know, if you want to like double the size of uh, the state health service, for example, because you can play loads of different countries, so it's, it's not just US. If you want to do that, you can't do that overnight because mm-hmm. people have got built hospitals and you've got to like hire doctors. It's going to take ages. So what people do, they kind of oversteer. You know, <laughs> they like make all these decisions, saying, "Oh, that hasn't done it. I'll do this and I'll do that." And then over time, um, they kind of overshoot certain things, and then they're, they're massively in debt. And then getting out of debt, they like close the hospitals, fire the doctors, and, you know, they kind of uh, overcompensate. And meantime, the country turns to chaos and they'll be rioting and, uh, you know, yeah, terrorists. Yeah, there's, and... there's some rioting and protesting going on right now in Canada <laughs> for me. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I chose Canada just for the, the hell of it. Um, and, you know, you start off with uh, what, about 50% of the voters supporting you, I think-ish. Uh, I, I, on the country. Okay, um, so that's I think that's how it started off for me, and so I I, I went in and it's like okay uh, I want to support technology and green energy and you know things like that and uh, let's get rid of income tax let's raise sales tax <laughs> let's I'm I'm just changing all this kind of stuff and after four turns um, yeah violence is just at an all time high people are protesting. <laughs> The, the one group that I've completely alienated are the religious um, voters, and I'm pretty sure they're going to assassinate me in the next turn. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm not a little a, scared to load it back up. <laughs> it's not an easy game. It's not an easy yeah. game or a simple game. You, you have to kind of play it like a politician. And yeah, that's, that's what I realized. Is like I, I can't actually keep my word in this. I'm going to have to do no. things I don't want to just to make the country run. <laughs> Absolutely. I find it hilarious reading. It made me feel um, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I read reviews or I watch people, I, I've, I've shown it at a, a trade show in, in the UK and, and watched people who've never seen it sit down and 
play it and i love it i find it hilarious because i experience exactly the same thing when i play it that you kind of go into it thinking i'm going to be a really good guy i'm going to be a good politician and it gets really bad in the run-up to the election so you wait until you get to the election when you think okay forget everything i just need to be popular this day <laughs> and, or, or you have really bad um problems that you think you know this is no time for subtlety. We need to like give all of the police machine guns and put a curfew in place because nothing else is going to work. Yeah, and and you suddenly find yourself that. doing that. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's one of the worst things is, is crime is just uh, mm. almost all the way up. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have to put surveillance up, which was one of the things I didn't want to do. And I'm going to have to increase police force. It's like, uh, it's, it's, I just ruined Canada. Yeah. Oh well, it uh. <laughs> does happen to a lot of people the first time they play it. I, I find that one of the most interesting dilemmas. I mean, I haven't. I coded it to be as accurate as possible as a simulation of what economics and politics is like. Mm -hmm. And I find it very interesting to play it because it actually changes my own politics a bit. In that I have a lot more sympathy for politicians when sure. they they seem to do crazy nonsense, and yeah. you think, why are you doing this? But you find yourself doing it in in uh, when you play Democracy Three, mm -hmm. and. But one of the, the kind of dilemmas um, that, that I find very interesting is that if the, the liberals, by which I, I kind of mean in, in U.S. terms, it's more like libertarians because uh, this is a bit of a problem because in the U.S. liberal tends to mean socialist, whereas in Europe, liberal means what the U.S. would call libertarian and socialist okay. means socialist. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it gets a little bit confusing. Sure. But... Uh, the problem is if um, if liberals uh, get really upset with you, you have this thing that, you know, they might try and assassinate you, that they might think, you know, this is a, an evil kind of like corrupt authoritarian government and we need to take out the, the, the president, basically. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And at that point, you have a real dilemma because part of you thinks, oh, my God, I need to keep these people on my side. We need to, you know, tone down the authoritarian policies mm -hmm. but there is another part of you that thinks if the liberals are going to come for me with guns i need to be protected so the best way to do that is to like wiretap everyone's phones and have a big <laughs> you know intelligence service and police drones and give everybody guns and tasers at which point as president you're probably safe but obviously that makes it worse because yeah. then liberals really hate you and then other people will hate you as well so there is a kind of interesting dilemma where you kind of have to go one way or the other and go, OK, I'm going to be Mr. Mr. Like not authoritarian and I'm going to put up with, you know, the risks and having to placate all these other people. Um, so there, there's some very interesting, I think, trade offs um, that you come up against with the best possible intentions in the game. You, you can end up becoming a bit of a bit of a sort of fascist maniac. <laughs> <laughs> But what's interesting is every step between being Mr. Nice and the fascist maniac that just wants to eradicate people, <laughs> it seems reasonable in the context of the game, yeah. which I, I think is kind of interesting. You know? Absolutely. Um, now, obviously, when you're, when you're making um, or designing how all of the different nodes of the game interact with each other, you're, you're not just saying, you know, I think the GDP is going to affect uh, you know, homelessness this way. <clears throat> um, how do you go about doing research to to figure out how to map that stuff out? Well, it is it is very hard, and 
the trouble is the internet being the internet if you want an argument uh, if you want to know kind of like for example well the classic one is um if we have more liberal gun laws will that increase crime or will that reduce crime mm-hmm. and that's an impossible argument mm-hmm. because so many people are absolutely convinced it's one way and, and other people are convinced it's the other way and it's really complicated and it depends on so many factors and that is true uh, of kind of everything um so if we put up property taxes will that increase homelessness i mean who's to say it really depends how you do it and the supply of ha- it, it, it's a nightmare so you have to kind of like read what you can and look at the stats that are available and then make a bit of a judgment and sort of go it seems to be roughly this and then it comes down to just playing the game an incredible amount Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I play it endlessly. I've been playing it all morning, and I'll be playing it later. And, um, and when you come across an effect when you're playing, when you think, "Well, hang on, that doesn't seem right," you know, that's mm-hmm. that's completely unfair that that this small change here has done that. Um, then nudging things in a more sensible direction. But mm-hmm. there there are thousands and thousands of connections. So, you know, I, I'm not going to stand by any of them being 100% accurate because it's it, it just can't be done. I hope sure. all of them make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, our... oh. sorry, one. Of the th- I was going to say one of the things that I've added for Democracy Three is this idea of overrides. Um, so any one of those um, connections in the game can be overridden on a country by country basis. So I can actually have a game where. Um, the effect of, of, of like gun law and and violent crime is different in the US as it would be in Australia. Okay. And more relevantly, if you really disagree with any of the connections in the game, it's just a matter of writing a tiny little text file and then saving it, and then the game will listen to you and not me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you can actually change any of those effects. And I assume that you know when when the game's released, that a lot of people will argue about this on forums and say, look, this is my version of the the simulation where i fixed all this sort of you know british liberal nonsense that cliff's put in the game <laughs> um you know I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots of people doing that and but it is that easy um you know to to do it there's no uh, you know you don't have to code anything you can literally just you know change one line of text and save it out and it'll override it okay um, now, earlier you said that you know uh, one of the reasons that you made Democracy Two was because of all the the new ideas you had for the game. Um, huh. This, I, I don't know, and just in my mind, it, it seems like this would be a very hard game to to iterate on. What kind of features um, are in, or what kind of changes are in Democracy Three versus Democracy Two? Um, there's there's tons of stuff. I mean. Uh, to, to look at the the user interface, you wouldn't. Well, the user interface is completely new. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, you know, it's done by a proper um, visual designer now, it's, <laughs> so it looks nice. <laughs> um, but the, actually, the whole game is completely coded from scratch. Um, okay. Which nobody nobody ever believes me. But there was loads of things I was wasn't happy with. There were little bugs that would creep into Democracy Two that would sometimes um, get the simulation in a mess and it would go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you saved it and loaded it um which are kind of unfixable due to the don't get me started but anyway i I (laughs) wrote the entire um neural network so that it it doesn't work like that and 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 that is fixed and because i was so paranoid that i wanted it to be absolutely the simulation to be perfect and kind of always work the same way uh, what the game does when you hit next turn it actually 
um, saves the game to disk and then completely destroys the simulation and reinitializes it and then loads the game back in again. Um, and it does it really quick, so you can't yeah, tell. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. How, how does... How does that help? I, that not helps being because... a game designer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, one of the big problems with a turn-based game is like you forget to save stuff or you mm-hmm. save stuff badly. Yeah. And so you can have problems with a save game, you know, um, as a as a, a coder and a game designer. And I absolutely know, hand on heart, that that is completely impossible with my game. That it is it is perfect because. Um, because I'm doing that all the time. So if you start up that game and you load in a save game, you absolutely know it works exactly the same way as if you'd never bothered saving it out. Um, and the side effect of that is obviously it auto-saves every turn. Mm-hmm. So if you make a really stupid decision, you can, you know, you can, you can go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a technical thing, but it, it, it makes the simulation a lot more kind of consistent and a lot more reliable. But that, that's not the major change anyway. That, that was a real headache for me as a coder, but that, that's not the major change. There's, there's loads of like tiny little things. The, the equations that power the game can be more complicated now. talking about um how if you get the environmentalists happy then they'll get bored with that oh right yeah um that and, and that's a bit of a new thing um it does make you you play differently but so that's the complacency side of it and that actually gets worse with each election um mm-hmm. till it starts getting kind of like like really bad and it's basically a case of you know socialists living in a socialist country for so long that they've forgotten that they should be pleased that they're happy that it's a socialist not capitalist <laughs> so, uh, there is a bit of a mechanic of, of, of kind of like not resting on your laurels um the cynicism stuff is is uh, completely changed and and far better uh, and there's even like a flip-flop detection algorithm in there so like if you like you say you scrapped income tax mm-hmm. if you then bring income tax back uh, like uh, six months later then there'll be this huge swell of cynicism from people thinking he has no idea what he's doing, <laughs> uh, and they'll be less likely to vote for you. Uh, um, I mean that that would be true. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, there's also a lot of stuff to do with um, pressure groups and terrorism. So you have pressure groups that kind of like feed into extremist groups. So you might have like, for example, if you really upset the environmentalists, effectively you'd have loads of people joining Greenpeace, mm-hmm. and that would fine they protest about you and blah blah but after a while if they got really upset then some of those members of greenpeace will go in to join a sort of eco-terrorist group mm. and then that would be a problem and there's a lot of there's a huge amount of code there so that um individuals in the game individual voters have all sorts of attributes to do with how radical they are how easily they are radicalized and and how volatile they are um so you you can really anger people to the extent that they join some for example you know 
patriotic sort of uh, terrorist group. And then you can make everything great and happy, but they still got a grudge. You know, they can't let go of the hate, as it were. <laughs> Um, so that will kind of like linger on afterwards. Um, there's a lot of little simulation changes and the user interface is, is vastly changed and improved. So you have the ability, for example, to look at um, d graphs of how everything has changed over time and also see all the decisions you made and how they've affected that. Mm -hmm. and also, you, you can uh, look at all of the statistics that describe your country and say, show me the change since I first got elected, which is always kind of funny because you'll look at it sometimes and think, hey, everything's green, I'm excellent, I've solved all these problems. And other times you'll look at it and you'll think, I've wrecked the country. Yeah, I don't want to look at that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of interesting because it's, um, it's another way of detecting stuff that, that you'd kind of forgotten about. You know, mm -hmm. that you sort of think, hey, everything's fine, everything's going up. And then you'll see this little indicator that says, you know, actually, you completely, you know, trashed the health of the, the people in this country and, you know, lifespans dropped and stuff like that. And it's easy to just forget about this stuff um, until, you know, bad events happen. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, there's all new artwork and everything and, new, you know, new everything's new. Um, but it is vastly improved. There's, there's new policies and there's there's new voter groups and there's there's new events that can happen you can get like uh, cyber warfare and stuff like that um, all sorts of new things that can go wrong you can have bird flu and all kinds of uh, disastrous things that can happen it models credit rating agencies and um, the interest rate on government debt and stuff like that that, w that hasn't been in the game before um, it's basically up to date with what you'd worry about now as a politician as opposed to, you know, in 2007, basically. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, one of the things when I, when I started playing the game was uh, something that kind of occurred to me, and this is not something I, I think about ever, um, but it seems like it would be perfect for, like, mobile devices. The way the interface works, um, the way the, the icons are, and just how the, the game plays, since, like you said earlier, there's no 3D engine or anything like that. Have you ever thought about maybe taking it to the mobile space? I don't... Yeah, the, I'm not really a mobile game at all. Okay. Uh, so I don't really know much about it. Um, I would immediately worry about fitting the user interface onto a phone. Mm -hmm. Because when you've played it a while, and, you, and you've introduced a lot of policies that screen can get pretty cluttered. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on there. Um, I think a sort of possibly simplified version of it would work very well. Um, one of the problems that you can't really tell as a player is that uh, it is actually quite a complicated simulation. It does mm -hmm. use a lot of memory. It does, it does use quite a lot of CPU. Okay. Um, because there's a lot going on there. It's... Uh, the, the, it's not as abstract as you think. I mean, it's mm -hmm. going through all these thousands of simulated voters that are in, you know, maybe a dozen different voter groups each, and each of them so, will. So have you actually them. simulate the individual voters? Not all, um, however, you know, fifty million or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but there's thousands of them, and they are very ah. complicated okay. individuals. And if you look at the min the ministers that you get, um, are, are drawn from the voters. Um, they are actual voters, and one of the things that's new about Democracy Three is you can you can look at, at, at as many voters as you want in in the focus group thing. You can keep 
clicking on populate and look at each individual voter and, and how they've come to their current decision and what they've you can't see all of their data you can't tell how volatile or, or radicalized they are or stuff like mm-hmm. that um but yeah each one is individually simulated they've got individual wow. names and salaries and everything um is that, i would love to simulate what industry they work in and they i'd love to go completely <laughs> mad and sure it. I just, you know it, it would just take forever because that would be i would love to make a game and this is where i sort of turn into peter mollinger really. <laughs> uh, you can see why i work there but you know I, I i would love to have a game where you know uh you passed a law that closed down a certain industry and then people that worked in that industry were out of work and then that would actually have a proper effect so it would just so happen that everyone who was working in the fishing industry were socialists for example you know that whatever you know there's whole levels of ridiculous complexity i could have gone to um but just for my own sanity thankfully i didn't <laughs> but the short answer is it is um a bit of a hefty game okay. um so fitting it onto onto mobile would would be a challenge i'm not saying that i wouldn't like that challenge i would like to see it on ipad definitely because i think the user interface uh, on ipad would work pretty well yeah and honestly that that's more of what i was thinking were, were tablets not necessarily right. oh okay um yeah but yeah I'd, I'd love to share i, I on kind iPad. of lump them all together sometimes so right. uh, yeah i mean it is it is uh, going to be on mac and linux um mm-hmm. so going from there to ipad is probably a world of hurt for some contractor because I, I, I can't I'm like, I've got a Mac mini in front of me but um, I, I'm not a Mac developer at all gotcha all right. Uh, well, I, I think that about does it for the most part. Uh, we actually like to end uh, these interviews um, with what was originally called the lightning round um, then I suggested that we change it to the contemplative round because it never goes quickly um, but I think I think we're actually, and this is something that just came to me a second ago. Actually, while I was hoping the Skype um, uh, would reconnect, I was looking at my questions, um, and I think we're going to call it the Tyler Questionnaire uh, because the the guy that actually came up with this list of questions is Brian Tyler, one of the uh, uh, other uh, crew of the Dark Cast. He's often on these interviews, um, but so it, it's just a you know a. a list of six questions uh, about video games, uh, kind of your preferences just to get a, a better idea of you know who you are, what kind of games you like, that sort of thing. Uh, so we're just going to start out with the first one, and that is, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I even have one. Oh, my God. God, I like games where you're a spaceship or a bunch of statistics, <laughs> uh, or like uh, real-time strategy games. So, is uh, is there a group of people or group of spaceships that is your favorite to play as? God, what a nightmare of a question. <laughs> uh, I can't. I cannot answer that question. I never play as. Um, yeah, I play first-person shooters, mm-hmm. um, but as far as I'm concerned, I, I only ever play the multiplayer because I <laughs> can't stand the the plots and the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have. Well, I tell you what, I would say Gordon Freeman actually. I know that's okay. a really boring answer. I, it's I, it's just because he's a geek with glasses. And sure. How often is that the hero? Uh, very yeah, very cool. rarely. And yeah, honestly, you're the first person to say that, so that is perfectly oh, okay. valid answer. 
Um, <laughs> um, all right, so I, I was going to ask who's your favorite antagonist next, but but we're not going to go with that. Uh, we're going okay. <laughs> to... I don't want to put you through I've that. I've ruined track. the formula already. <laughs> um, so the, the next question is, what is your least favorite video game trope? Um, so uh, things that have been mentioned previously are the red barrels and first-person shooters, um, the main character having amnesia, uh, you know, the uh, princess that always has to be rescued, the, those sort yeah. of things. Yeah, well, obviously all of them, um, they're really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, are, there, there are so many. What I really hate is, is the, um, the quip, the kind of the dumbing down quip. When you're the, 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 the hero dude, and it's always a dude, isn't it? And you've got loads of muscles, and like you say, you're rescuing the poor princess or whatever. And you know, you're someone will say something intelligent at some point about the plot, mm-hmm. and your character will come out with a enough with the techno babble, Poindexter, or something like that. Sure. And I hate that because I think you're automatically putting me in the role of idiot that wants to put down anyone that knows what they're talking about. Right. And, that really bugs me because it is I think that that's really common or I spot it a lot. And that kind of like, you know, sort of chisel jawed, muscly sort of quip that's putting down the scientist or the, the, the geek um, that shows up now and then. And I think it's ridiculous because it's probably been written and implemented by a geek. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah. I don't understand. It's meant to appeal to 14 year old boys or something, I guess. That's mine anyway. Probably. Um, all right, so what is your favorite strategy game? Wow, uh, this is more my territory. Yeah. Um, well, we, we my... always try to have a, a couple of questions that are specifically geared towards people, some that are more general, like the um, protagonist one, but this one. I think Company of Heroes, the original one. Okay. Yeah, that that's very well balanced and very interesting and very playable and yeah that w- that was brilliant um have you played the new one i have i haven't got into it as much mostly because the guy i used to uh, play against quite a lot and play co-op with his computer can't handle a new one <laughs> uh, i quite like the new one i have to admit i think it's pretty i, I hate the grindy kind of unlock achievementness has just gone too far mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I like the visuals of it, and I like the fact that they're doing the Russian front. I know they've got a lot of grief for the way they've uh, portrayed it. Um, yeah, I, I do like it, but it's too early for me to tell. I mean, I, you know, I've played like, you know, 10,000 games of the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played maybe sort of 50 of the new one. So, uh, uh, but I like them both. Okay. Um, now, kind of flipping that, uh, and what what is your least favorite thing um, in strategy games, when you play a, a new strategy game and there's just something that just bugs the hell out of you, what 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 is that commonly? Um, well, I think when it comes to uh, to, to real time strategy games, that there is this horrible thing that they're they're a little bit meek in scale a lot of the time. I used to like a, a, an RTS called Cossacks, which was um, isometric, and you and so you know the graphics looked fairly old school, but you could have. 10,000 guys on your side mm-hmm. and the tendency now is to just have like you have your unit of like six guys and the camera is always fixed in this way that um, reduces the amount of objects they got to draw mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you can't move it about that much and you can't zoom out 
I like to be able to zoom out and see some huge battlefield with loads of stuff going on. Um, I, I'd rather have low detail units and lots of them, mm. the same horsepower, and, and feel like I want to be a general. I don't want to be like in charge of like a little platoon. And I, I, the thing is, it's so obviously being done because they uh, they don't want to overload the, the game engine, and that, mm. that that bugs me. You know, just reduce the flipping poly count and let me zoom out. Sure. That's what all right. Um, now, if you had to try another profession, if you, for, for whatever reason, um, you know, video games didn't exist tomorrow or, or something <laughs> crazy like that, um, and you got to do anything else that you could possibly want, what profession would you want to try? Well, I, I've had loads of other professions. I'm not one of these geeks that went straight into it. I, 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 it's, it's a lot of the other ones I've been in, I'd like to get back into. I used to be a guitarist in a heavy metal band, believe oh. it or not. Um, and I used to teach guitar as well. Um, I could easily get back into that, um, or um, I can sort of. I've started learning to play the piano. I'd, I'd quite like to get into that, or I'd love to be a full-time trader on the stock market, um, which would appeal to my stats obsession. But actually, <laughs> um, I also do archery as as a hobby, uh, and I'm quite into that. Okay. Um, and any and all of those, part of me thinks I would love to get into politics, but I know it would just, the blood pressure and stress would <laughs> you know. destroy your soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or to work in the movie industry. I find that quite quite interesting. Or in advertising, actually. It, yeah, I've got hundreds of answers. Sorry, I don't know. Um, That's all right. Uh, maybe advertising, because I find the, the psychology of advertising fascinating. Um, okay. I don't know. All right, and uh, and finally, uh, at the end of your life, when you've reached the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad looks over the book <laughs> of the deeds of your life, uh, what do you want him to say to you? Yeah, I would like to actually make the world a better place, which makes me sound like a, like Miss World or something. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I recently had uh, my games in like the humble um, weekly sale, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so I got to pick uh, one of the charities for that, um, which was a charity I really like, which was a, like um, renewable energy um, in the developing world, teaching people in the developing world to like uh, make their own solar panels and stuff like that. Um, but I, I would like to think that it would be something like that. It would be something to do with charity or to do with setting up something that is really positive. Sorry about that. Skype hey. is totally wigged out on, on my end. I had to oh. actually restart the program. Um, so uh, I'm already recording. Last thing I heard you say uh, was that you wanted to work with charity and not that you think that video games aren't a good thing, and then it just cut out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry okay. about that. <laughs> uh, well, that's basically it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to be slagging off video games you know sure. I, I, I love them obviously um but 
yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd like to do something like that. You know, maybe there'd be a Positech school in some village somewhere. I don't know. Um, I've still got plenty of years left. Sure, sure. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it for this interview. Uh, thanks for for being on, Cliff. Really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Uh, if you could just let uh, our listeners know when and where they can get their hands on Democracy Three. Right. Okay. Uh, well, Democracy Three should uh, go into a sort of pre-order and sort of beta thing um, at the end of this month, um, and then shortly after that, it will be on Steam. Um, so that that's that's the plan. I've sort of penciled into myself that it, I think it's like the thirtieth or, or something, or twenty-fifth or something like that. That I'm I'm actually going to. Um, uh, put it up for pre-orders but it, okay. i mean it's it, it's very polished it's not like you know you get some beaters and it just crashes all the time and nothing's finished it, it's mm-hmm. not like that you know when i release it to like beta and pre-order it's going to be basically this is done unless you people find some bugs mm-hmm. um so yeah this month end of this month hopefully awesome all right well again thank you for being on thank you for uh talking for a long time about a lot of random things and also <laughs> uh <laughs> democracy three um, and I, I hope everything goes well. Look forward to seeing the game choice. Excellent. Thanks so much. No problem.